Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations. I'm Audley Stevenson, and it's always a pleasure to be here for another edition of the most audacious podcast the internet has to offer. This is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I really want to take this time to thank you for being a part of our journey as we continue our ongoing goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. As always, I encourage you to connect with us through our social media channels. Uh, you can find us under our Instagram handle and Twitter as well, The Audacious Pod. And then if you head over to Facebook, it's The Audacious Living Podcast. And then lastly, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, then you know that all you've got to do is tap the notification bell down below and you immediately will be connected uh, to all things audacious. So certainly like, follow, subscribe, share, be a part of our community and let's keep this good old audacious conversation going and going and going. Now, uh, we've got Terry Tucker, uh, who's the featured guest on this edition of the podcast of uh, the Audacious Living Podcast. And if you're not familiar with him or his story, I promise you, uh, after this episode, you'll be completely blown away when you learn all about him and the ability that he's shown to push past adversity, adversity to a place of, of happiness and, and peace. You know, Terry's health journey started uh, in 2012 when he was diagnosed uh, with a rare form of uh, cancer uh, that was in his foot and it required immediate surgery. Um, the surgery was successful in the sense that it took him out of the immediate danger realm. However, it didn't make things go away. Uh, he was on a medication for approximately five years that eventually became toxic to his body and that led to another serious health scare that he had to work through. The disease came back uh, in 2018 and he had to have his left foot amputated. In 2019, it came back again, this time in his shin uh, and, and those two more surgeries that were needed. Uh, and then last year, an, eye, an undiagnosed tumor uh, in his ankle grew large enough that it fractured his tibia and shin bone, and the only recourse at that time was to have a, a, a surgery to amputate his left leg in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and, and let's also add that he found out later on that he had tumors in his lungs that he also had to deal with. So no shortage of challenges, no shortage of adversity uh, for Terry. And, and the thing that's just absolutely phenomenal is that through all that he's had to do, endure, uh, he still maintains a, a positive outlook on life, a desire to help others, as well as he's very intentional about trying to make this world a better place. You know, there's so much inspiration that can be taken from Terry uh, and his example of how he's come to terms with his situation and, and and really he takes a negative and turns it into a positive. Uh, one of the one another ways that he one of the ways that he's done this uh, was through a book that he writ, he's written last year uh, called Sustainable Sustainable Excellence: Ten Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And you know today, you know Terry's hope is that his book uh, and the people who read his book uh, will lead a life of significance as well as a life of success. Listen. Get ready for an inspirational conversation with none other than Terry Tucker. Enjoy. Hey, Terry, welcome uh, to the Audacious Link Podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. 
Well, Audley, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, you know, I think we, I, I mean, I can't remember how, exactly how long ago we, we had set up this conversation, but uh, it was a little while ago, and I've always I said, really looking forward to connect with you. You've got a, a, a great story, I think one that a, a lot of listeners will take away from after hearing this conversation. I think a lot of listeners will be like, wow, that's that's amazing and really inspired. So yeah, that was, I, I was ready to go knowing you're on the way. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you as well. Yeah, um, I, I guess I want to start back at the beginning of your story, not so much the, the beginning, if you will, but there was a point in your story in terms of uh, uh, your, your prof- from the professional standpoint, because you've had a lot of different, you've got a diverse background, <laughs> you've got you've done a lot of different types of jobs, and, and and one interesting thing I always say, you know, when you look at sort of where we are today, and you kind of look back, you sort of all the things that you've done and how they feed into where you are now, and you know whether, whether you've been working marketing or working the, with the police force or uh, now you're speaking, obviously, it, there's a lot of those sorts of things, different things you can pull from and draw from. I wonder if you sort of talk about your background a bit and so how it's fed into where you are now. Yeah, you know, you look at my resume and I, when I look at it, I'm like, gee, one of these days I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. You know, it, 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 it's certainly diverse. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version here. So I, I was born and raised in Chicago. You, you can't tell this from looking at me or, or my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I played college basketball at the Citadel, uh, which is a military college in Charleston, South Carolina, despite having three knee surgeries in in high school. And when I graduated, I moved home to find a job. I was actually the first person in in my family to graduate from college. And I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And, you know, I look back now and realize kind of what a knucklehead I was to think (laughs) I knew anything about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, aren't we, all, aren't we all there? I mean, I, yeah, you, you know, you, you do when you get older, you're kind of like, gosh, I, I, you know, I thought I, I knew it all. And I, I didn't know anything, you know, what was going on. But fortunately, I, I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain uh-huh. in their marketing department. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. As you mentioned, you know, I had that that first job in in, in marketing, then I became a hospital administrator, and then I got into law enforcement and was an undercover narcotics investigator. I was on the SWAT team as a hostage negotiator. Uh, I had my own school security consulting business, was a girls high school basketball coach. Wow, wow. Motivational speaker. Last year, I became an author, but for the last nine years, I've been kind of dealing with this uh, rare form of cancer. And then finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy yep. and is a lieutenant in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Wow, must be much to be proud of there, for sure. Very much, very much. Oh, wow. It's, it's funny when you when I started thinking about, even you know, your, your story could have stopped at your, your, your time in the police force, and you could have had all sorts of things as a hostage negotiator. There's all sorts of things I'm sure that you've learned from that or lessons from that mm-hmm. or experienced. I wonder if you sort of talk about sort of so, so that experience, because it's very unique, Derry. It, it is. And, you know, as a police officer, 99% of what you did was face to face with another person, you know, yes. whether it was a traffic stop or whether it was a radio run getting called for, for some kind of, you know, domestic violence, whatever it was. So you're face to face with people and you can take visual clues sure. about what's going on. You know, if you're talking to somebody and they're kind of like, you know, looking around, you're like, eh, they might yeah. be thinking about escaping or running. Yeah. And, you know, same thing with, you know, somebody's there balling up their fists, like, well, maybe they want to fight you. And you can do something, you know, you can and sit them back. That too, right? You're taught to look for those cues, aren't you? Exactly. Totally. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yep. You know, I mean, you don't want to be blindsided. And, and you know, if, if you're just kind of, you know, and somebody, you know, cold cocks you, you're, you're going to have a problem. Sure. So yes, you're, 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 you're definitely taught to that. But as negotiators, we, we were not with that person. You know, we're, we're either negotiating through a, a locked door or we could be blocks away, you know, on the phone with somebody. So you have to figure out what's going on based on what people are saying, what they're not saying and how they're saying it. And, you know, there's there were many times where we're talking to people and, you know, we spent two hours talking about something over here when the real problem is over here. And, but they need that time to burn off that emotional energy, you know, before they're ready to talk about the real reason that we're here. So, yeah, it was it was a tremendous opportunity. I, I worked with great people. I 
I had training with a psychologist. We trained every month and things like that. And most of it was scenario based. And, you know, 90% of the time we were successful at getting the person out. I, I, yeah. I never lost a hostage, but 10% of the time we weren't. The person made the decision to end their life. And, right. and while that was always tragic, I kind of looked at it like, you know, if you're talking to me, you're having the worst day of your life. Let's let's be honest. You know, your house is surrounded by the police and right. you're talking to a hostage negotiator. Right. And and, you know, and a lot of times the problem that we're talking about has been 10, 20, 30 years in the making. Yes. And I'm going to show up on the scene and try to solve it in three, four, five uh-huh. hours. It's just not realistic. You do the best you can with with what you have and and you just pray to God that, you know, whatever is supposed to happen happens and, and it's something positive. I think that's a really good perspective, right? Because it really says to you, you know, what, what realistically, you know, can I accomplish in this specific situation? And, and I'm a really big fan of perspective, Terry, just in terms of helping us understand where we are, what it means to us and what we can realistically do. Yeah, it's, you know, there, there was several years ago, there was a, a movie called The Negotiator and Samuel L. Jackson yes. played, you know, this this negotiator. And, and and I always get this, you know, is that the way it's like? It's like, <laughs> no, that, that's not what it's like at all. I, I, I mean, yes, there is somebody negotiating, but there's also somebody sitting right next to him, another negotiator, listening and passing notes to you. And then there are probably two or three other people that are gaining intelligence, working the crowd, you know, yes. why are we here? You know, and if you talk to the guy's mother and he just had a fight with his mother and then he barricaded himself, you're going to get a note that's going to say, don't talk about his mother, you know, because right. that's the reason that we're here. Right. And the other part of that that I think is important, and it's important in any relationship, whether it's it's a business relationship or police or a personal relationship, yep. is trust. You know, we never lied to people. We, we certainly had people tell us, look, I'll put the gun down and I'll come out, but you got to promise me I'm not going to jail. Well, when you right. come out, you are going to go, go to jail, but right. and then you would try to deflect it into something more positive. But we never lied to people because it was very possible. And it certainly happened that a year from now or two years from now, we're going to be back negotiating with that same person again. Mm-hmm. And we never wanted them to be able to say, hey, you lied to me before, because right. when that happens, you, you've lost total credibility and you can't yep. do your job. You're going to have to bring yep. somebody else in. So gotcha. trust was a very important part of that as well. What, what, what draw you to that work, Terry? What, what got you there? I wanted to be part of the best. You know, when mm-hmm. I was with the police department, I, I wanted to be, you know, part of the best. And we always we always used to say, you know, when the public needed help, they called 911. When the police needed help, they called SWAT. And it, it was, you know, I mean, I started out as a 37-year-old rookie policeman. So, you know, I was not young by any means. But on the other hand, I had some life experience that I could pull on yeah. when, when dealing with people that were in crisis and things yeah. like that. So I, I applied and had to go through all the, you know, the physical training, the psychological tests, the, the interviews and stuff like that. And I got on and, and I'll never forget my first training where it was a scenario and it's like, okay, there's a hostage and there's a, there's a, a guy who's barricaded with the hostage, not, not negotiate with the person. And the hostage is screaming the entire time, help me, help me. Help, you know? And I, I spent 80% of the time talking to the hostage and they were like an honest yeah. mistake for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. But the bottom line is, and I guess for your listeners, if you're ever a hostage, understand that the negotiator will not spend much time talking to you or even about you. We're going to be talking to the person who's got you in that situation. So don't feel we're neglecting you. Right. It's just we, we want to draw the attention away from you and more put it on more of the hostage taker. I think that's a great illustration in terms of understanding your overall situation, right? And and again, I think that sort of ties a little bit to perspective, right? And understanding what's happening. Uh, so that's a good sure. one. Um, so so you, you got into teaching or a basketball coach shortly after that, after you left the, the police force? I, I actually, I, I kind of got into two jobs. One, I, I had all this, this training and experience and education. And so I started a school security consulting business where I worked with with private independent schools around the United States on their physical security and things. And, and I also coached uh, girls high school basketball. Our, our daughter got my height 
And so I, I wanted to coach her. So being your own boss, you know, yeah. you can kind of ramp up the business in the off season sure and then kind of, you know, ramp it back during the season and, and concentrate on coaching. So right. I kind of did, you know, I was sort of juggling two jobs at the same time and, and, and it was just a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. Listen, I, I, I've coached girls, uh, basketball as well in my past. And, uh, my, my, my daughter played as well on, and, uh, the, the sense of reward is very different than boys. It's very, very, very different. They're like sponges and they want to learn and uh, they're really meticulous. And so, yeah, it was, it was such a rewarding experience. I had to ask about that because I know how, uh, how impactful it was for me. That's for sure. Well, you know, the, the thing I found interesting was that, you know, boys and girls, at least, you know, in high school compete for different reasons. You know, mm. boys want to win. You know, we want to go out there. We want to, you know, we want to win girls it's more about the camaraderie it's more about the relationships that they're forming as a team and you know i had i had never coached girls before so it was certainly a learning experience as much for me as it was for them you know me teaching them about the game sure sure no that's awesome that's awesome so as as we move along here now uh it's 2012 um and you discover some news well let's talk about that yeah, so I, I am I'm coaching and I have a callus that breaks open on the bottom of my foot right below my third toe. And, you know, when you're a coach, you're on your feet a lot. So, yes. you know, initially I didn't think much of it. But after a couple of weeks when it didn't heal, I went to see a podiatrist, a foot doctor friend of mine. And he took an x-ray and he's like, Terry, I think you have a cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he did. And he showed it to me. It was just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it. Mm-hmm. No blood, no dark spots, nothing that would give anybody any concern but he sent it off to pathology and then two weeks later he calls me and like I said he was a friend and the more difficulty he was having telling me what was going on the more frightened I was becoming and so he just kind of laid it out he said Terry been a doctor for 25 years I have never seen this form of cancer you have a rare form of melanoma that appears either on the palms of the hands or the bottom of the feet and I recommend you go to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston and be treated. Okay. And so I did. And, you know, I had the tumor removed from the bottom of my foot. I had all the lymph nodes cut out of my, my groin. And then when I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon, okay. which basically gave me flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And that was not a cure. It was just as my doctor used to say, we're trying to kick the can down the road, you know, just give you, buy you more time for more therapies to be available. And eventually the drug became so toxic to my body that ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which I was very lucky to be alive. And then that was 2017. The disease came back. 2018, I had my left foot amputated. Mm. 2019, it came back again in my shin, two more surgeries. And then last year, an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And my only recourse at that time, right in the middle of the pandemic, was to have my left leg amputated above the knee. And I also found out I had tumors in my lungs. Wow. What a journey. Yeah. So on that uplifting story, you know, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and, and you laugh about it, which says to me that you've uh, you've come to terms to sort of where, you know, what your situation is. Um, I wonder if you sort of talk about, you know, getting to the point you are now, uh, you know, because like, I, I would imagine it's very different than when you first were diagnosed to where you are now and what that journey in between was like for you. Yeah. You know, when I when I first found out I had you know, I had done everything right in my life. You know, I, I didn't abuse drugs or alcohol. I, I, I'd been an athlete, so I'd exercise, I'd eaten right. When my dad was sick, when I graduated from college, I, I vowed that I would have a physical every year and I would do whatever testing the doctors, sure, you know, sure. recommended. So I had done everything. And I'm like, no, I can't possibly have this form of cancer. So my emotions really ran the gambit yeah. until finally, I just got to the point where it was like, okay, these are the cards that I've been dealt and I'm going to have to play them and, I, and I'm going to play them to the best of my ability. And, and one thing I've learned over all this, I've learned quite a bit, but, but one of the things is that we're all going to experience pain in our lives yes. and it doesn't have to be 
cancer pain or, or, or what I'm yeah. going through or what I've been through. I mean, it could be you flunk a test at school or you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Or you, discomfort, right? And, yeah, you, yeah, you don't get the promotion at work that you think you're, right. you deserve. Whatever it is, yeah. yep. pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, that's optional. That's what you do with that pain. Do you use it to make you a stronger and tougher and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and want to feel sorry for yourself and, and have other people feel sorry for you? Now, I guess I want you and your, under, your audience to understand that, I mean, there's no S on my chest. I do not wear a cape. I mean, I, I'm a human being. I have bad days. Sure. I cry. I get down. Yep. You know, I, I, I get depressed. I just don't let myself stay there. You know, I, I pull myself up and it's like, no, okay, let's go. We're, you know, again, cards have been dealt. You have to play those cards. So, so I, you know, I just want people to understand that we're all going to experience pain, but suffering, that's what you do with that pain. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite expressions I, I oftentimes say is I, I don't have bad days. I have bad moments. Right. And yeah. that sort of speaks to that. Right. Like, you know, these things are going to happen to us, but it's what we do with them afterwards. And, and, and what I love about, you know, as you, you tell a story is the ability to not only what we can do for ourselves, but how we can impact other people. So when other people are seeing uh, that, you know, your response and, and they're seeing that you're being upbeat and you're still being positive. And yes, we acknowledge these bad things are happening. They, they're there. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't take away your energy, your spirit, your life, your positivity. And, and when people see that, you're uplifting them. By the same token, but when you're sad and wallowing, you know, they come down to where you're at as well, too. So that choice is really, really important, isn't it, Terry? It, it's incredibly important. And, you know, one thing that uh, team sports, you know, and I, I've been, a, you know, on a basketball team, you know, since I was nine years old up through college. One thing team sports told me was the importance of being part of something that's bigger than you. Mm. And, you know, if, if you if you look at, at team sports, you know, if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, your parents down, you know, your friends down, etc. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is the game of life, you know, and, and a lot of people, it's like, you know, it's all about me, you know, I, what, what, you know, whatever is good for me, I'll do, but the heck with the rest of it's right. not about you. It's right. about us and right. us together as opposed to being individuals. I mean, think about what we could accomplish if we came together and not worried about, you know, who got the credit, you know, for this or who got the credit right. for that. What can we do? And, and the one thing I always remembered, I had a nurse recently, when I first met her, she was in training in the unit that, that I'm in, that I get treated in. She was a nurse, but she was just in training for that unit. And several months later, she took care of me and, and she's, she's about 25 years old. She's pretty young. And she said to me, Terry, I got to tell you this story, but I'm kind of nervous about it. And I'm like, tell me. And she said, you know, when I first met you, I was going to leave nursing. I, I had had a friend die. I was in a very dark place. I talked to my mom and dad, I was going to get out of nursing and I was going to go to work for Amazon. And then I met you and I saw what you go through and I heard your story and I knew that I was in the right place. Now, if she would have never told me that, I would have had no idea sure. that my life had an impact on her. So yeah. I always tell people, you know, you never know, you know, who's out there, who's watching you, who wants to be like you or wants to be like me or wants to be like somebody else. So John Wooden, a basketball coach at UCLA many, many years ago, had one of the greatest sayings I ever heard. And this is what it was. He said, a careful person I want to be, a little person follows me. I dare not go astray for fear they may go the same way. So just remember there, you know, it's not about you. you there are people out there, you have no idea who they are that are trying to emulate you. It's so, so, so true. And, 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 and oftentimes we don't get that opportunity to know. And right. we just, it just by the way we live our lives. And, and I, I, I use the example. I mean, if, uh, if you ask most people say, you know, who was your, 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 your favorite teacher in school, they can identify the teacher and they'll even be able to tell you exactly what that teacher did to be so significant and prominent in their mind. And that teacher may never know. Exactly. I may have no idea, but everyone has that one that go that, you know, Mrs. Johnson, she always listened to me. She was patient with me and she gave me a chance and she gave me confidence or whatever that may be. Right. And Mrs. Johnson may not know that Mrs. Johnson may have just been naturally being herself. And so 
I think that's really important going back to who you are and a little bit because one of the points I want to talk to you about is also finding your purpose, right? And understand, understanding, finding your purpose and then being that individual, the way you live your life, because it's, as we just talked about, the significance we can have on other people is just tremendous. It is. And, and, and again, having no idea that we're having that significance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think I think that's a great one. Um, you know, we all have got gifts and talents, right, Harry? We all have things that we were naturally innately born with that are part of who we are. And I believe uh, it's our responsibility to use them to the best of our ability. Yeah, we, we all, you know, have different gifts and talents. We're not all born with the same gifts and talents, right. but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. And, and I always think about that, you know, I, I, have a, I have a deep faith in God and I always think about, you know, there's never been a human being like me yeah. and there's never going to be a human being like me ever in the future. <clears throat> I am that unique. And if you think about that, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And, and certainly can be incredibly overwhelming if you realize that you are, there's never been another person like you and there never will be. And, and I always try to keep that in perspective and use whatever gifts and talents. Yes. You know, we used to always tell our daughter, you know, play to your strengths. You have certain strengths. Play to those. Don't, you know, don't diminish them. Use them to make you the kind of person, the best person you can be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> so, so um, I, I want to talk, talk about where, you, where you're at now, because you've, you've written a book, Sustaining Excellence. I'll, I'll get the title here, because Sustaining Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. You're, you're speaking, you're, you're impacting, you're helping others. Sort of talk about sort of dealing with your own personal situation, but then find somehow the energy, the strength, <clears throat> the motivation to take that and, 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 and impact other people. Yeah, the, the book was, you know, I've, I've never written a book before, you know, and, and so the book was really born out of two conversations I had. One was with a former player uh, who moved to Colorado, where my wife and I live, uh, with her fiance, yep. and we had had dinner with him one night. And I remember saying to her, you know, I'm really excited you're living close and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And then she kind of looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth and then living that purpose. So that was one conversation. And then I had a young man in college who reached out to me actually on LinkedIn. And he was like, what do you think are the things I should know to not only be successful in my job or in business, but in life? And I didn't want to give him the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. They are. They're incredibly important. But I wanted to see if I could maybe give him some things that maybe went a little bit deeper, you know, into his, into his soul, so to speak. So I, yeah. I spent some time, I wrote some notes, and eventually I had these, these 10 thoughts, these 10 principles, and I sent them to him. And then I sort of stepped back and I was like, you know, I've got a life story that fits underneath this principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates that principle. So literally, I had my leg amputated in April of 2020. And I started chemotherapy for the tumor and tumors in my lungs in June of 2020. And during that three month period where I was healing, I sat down at the computer every day and I, I wrote stories underneath each of those principles. And, and so, you know, I've got this book and, you know, I'm excited about it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to sell books. I got to sell books. I got to sell books. And I connected with a best selling author over in the United Kingdom, a business author. And he kind of pulled me aside. He said, Terry, you're missing the point. Your job is not to sell books. Your job is to help people. If right. you help people, your books will take care of selling themselves. And I was so glad that he told me that because I didn't write the book to make money or to get famous right. or, or anything like that. Right. I wrote the book to help people. And so when he kind of was like, forget about selling books, just do what you do and the books will take care of themselves. It was almost like a you know, this burden had been lifted a release. off. Yeah, like a release almost. Yeah, it, it was. Because like I said, yeah. I'd, never, I, I'd never had a book published. I didn't know what, you know, was right or I should do or what, you know, and, and things like that. So, so now I don't get too worried. You know, book sells, it sells, it doesn't sell. It, but, but it is selling. And it's, you know, I had an 87-year-old man who bought the book, read it, and got in contact with me. I had no idea who this guy was. And he said, you know, if I would have had those principles when I was younger, 
my life would have been a whole lot better. Wow. 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 That that's pretty neat to, to know your, you know, your book had an impact on somebody like that. And, and, and that's what any author wants, any podcaster wants, any right. public speaker wants, right? They want to know. And we're talking about the individuals that are truly driven for, for the intent and purpose of helping others, right? They want to know that what they put out in the universe, what they put out to others actually has, has achieved its intended purpose. It's just to help others, right? That's, right. What, that's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, I think our whole life everybody's life really is is a life of service you know mm -hmm. service to helping other people to whatever it is become the best person they can be you know wh whatever that ends up being and and that's why when i go on these podcasts it's like you know if you can make a difference in one person's life yeah. if you and i talking here makes a difference in one person's life it's been a good day yeah, it's been, no, I, I, I so agree with you. And uh, oftentimes it's that, that one, hey, thank you for doing this, or we appreciate this, or oh my gosh, you have no idea. And and, and that kind of stuff fuels you, Terry. I don't know about you, but it you does. Know, what, one comic could last for two weeks. Like, I'm right there, right? Because it does, you just feel okay. And, and what it also does, it sort of validates you. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I, I, I often I talk about this podcast. I started it because I just had this desire to want to give. And I had this desire to sort of talk about. So we talk about audaciousness. It was I looked at sort of all the things in my life and all the things that made me successful. And it was on the foundation of me being bold or audacious or taking that chance or taking that risk. And so I wanted to have these conversations. So to know that by the, having these conversations, it isn't making a difference to people. It is opening their eyes. It is impacting them. And now they're off doing the same thing to others. And so, so now imagine you've got this whole legion of people that are doing the same thing. What kind of place would this please? It'd be a great place to live, right? It, it is. I mean, it, it, you think about it. It's, it's like throwing the stone in the pond. You know, mm -hmm. the ripples that you create, you're the stone, but all those ripples touch other yes. people's lives. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, going back to, you have no idea who those people are, but you're That's still right. making an impact on their life. That's right. I wanted to go back. You, you, you sort of gave two stories about what led to your book. And the first one with the young, uh, uh, the young girl was talking about her purpose. Uh, uh, that process of finding your purpose. What, what does that look like, Terry? I, I think it, you know, it, it's funny because if you look at my resume, my first two jobs were in business. Yes. And my passion though was law enforcement. It, it had always been law enforcement. But my grandfather was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954 and was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. It wasn't a serious injury. He was shot in the ankle. But my dad always remembered the stories that my grandmother told of the knock on the door of Mrs. Tucker, please grab your son. Come with us. Your husband's been shot. So when I indicated an interest in going into law enforcement, my dad was like, absolutely mm. not. You're going to go to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get a job when you get out. You're going to get married, have 2.4 kids and live in the suburbs <laughs> and have a great, you know, but that's what my dad yes. wanted me to do. Right. And as I indicated earlier, he was sick when I graduated from college. So I had a choice. I could, you know, follow my dreams and know that, you know, I was hurting quote unquote, my dad, or I could do what my dad wanted me to do. And I, I do kind of joke about it. I said, you know, I did what every good son did. I waited till my dad died, you know, and then I pursued my dreams. So I think you have to, one of the, one of the, the topics of when I was talking to my player was, you know, time, How, you know, what she was like, well, what if I don't have enough time to find my purpose? And I, I told her, I said, I think as long as you look for it, and, and that means looking for it with an open heart, that God's not going to put you on the face of this earth and then say, <laughs> no, I don't think so, and right. take you out of here. And I told her the story of Colonel Sanders, you know, who started Kentucky Fried Chicken, who didn't start that franchise until after he retired. He was in his 60s when he started that. I mean, imagine if he was in his 40s when he was like, you know what, no, I'm done. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get outside right. the box. I'm right. not going to push the envelope. You know, I'm right. not going to do things that scare me. I'm just going to stop here. I don't know if Kentucky fried chicken was his purpose or, you know, mm -hmm. his why, but I'm going to assume that it was. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if, if, if he had said, no, I'm not going to do that. We would never have, and I love Kentucky fried chicken, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. I, I mean, we would never have that franchise. So I told her, I said, don't get too excited if, you know, you're in your, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, and you still haven't found your purpose. And I guess I need to back up a little bit. We talk a lot about our purpose being our job. Okay. Your purpose doesn't have to be your job. I mean, you, you, you can have a job over here to pay the bills, 
but your your purpose or your why is writing or volunteering or playing right. music or whatever it is. But so it doesn't have to be your job. And, and I guess I want people to, to understand that and realize that. But I think it's it's incredibly important for all of us to just search for things with an open heart. Just, you know, and, and she talked to me, she's like, well, how will I know? It's like, you know what? If you get up in the morning and you can't wait to go do whatever it is that you, yep. you've probably found your purpose. Just like if you get up in the morning, and you're like, oh gosh, oh, I gotta go. You know, no, that's probably not your purpose. Right. Keep looking. Right. Got you. No, it makes sense. And uh, I, I, I think the concept of time is an interesting one, right? But will I have time? Because, you know, th there's time and there's timing. And they're yeah. two, di two different things. So Colonel Sanders, his timing was when it was. And right. so that's also important. So as much as we want to control things, I think as humans, we naturally have this want to control and plan out everything and script it all out. And it happens when we, according to our plan, but, you know, timing says differently. And oftentimes, you know, God's timing says differently as yeah. well. So. God's timing is a whole lot different than our time most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask about the experiences of, uh, uh, you know, watching your, your father's illness uh, and, and how that impacted or affected you as you, uh, now, now you're in a similar sort of situation and you now uh, dealing with cancer. W was there anything you took from that experience with your father that, that you sort of helped you now? I, I did. You know what? My, my dad was of a generation where men didn't traditionally go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And this was back in the 1980s and he was diagnosed when he finally got diagnosed with end-stage breast cancer. And, yeah. and back then they were like, men with breast cancer, we have no idea what to do. I mean, they were throwing right. stuff against the wall, seeing if it would stick. And the thing that I always remembered is that my dad's passion was real estate. And he went to work up to two weeks before he died. But when he was diagnosed, they pretty much told him to go home and die. And he lived another three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of tucked that in the back of my mind because I think he did that because he had a purpose. He had something to live for, something he wanted to do. So, you know, if, if you're ever in a situation where a doctor's like, oh, you only have six months, you know what? You don't know me. You right. don't know my, my, you know, hey, my daughter's getting married in a year and I want to be there for that. Right. So I'm going to stick around for that. Don't don't take some arbitrary number from a doctor, you know, and, and just say, well, that's the only, that's the amount of time I've got left. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people, especially, you know, in these nine years that have turned their entire healthcare decision-making over to a doctor. Right. That's not me. And, and my oncologist is a brilliant guy. And I'm yep. sure if he had a yep. two by four, he'd whack me over the head a couple of times. It's like, you know, why are we doing this? Well, why aren't we doing that? And I ask a lot of questions, sure, sure. but I, but I want to know, I want to be involved in my healthcare. And, you know, I, when these decisions need to be made, I want my life to be based on the decisions that I made, not on decisions that I didn't make or that somebody else made for me. I, I want to be the one kind of in the driver's seat. So gotcha. yeah, yeah, I, I think having a purpose, regardless of what your, your state of health is, is certainly going to help you have a more fulfilling life. That it will, that it will. You know, uh, there's a science, obviously, when we talk about medical science and, and that's what doctors use, but there's another aspect that contributes to our health uh, is just our own attitude, our, our outlook, uh, you know, the level of positivity that we introduce in our lives. You know, do doctors have no idea how to, you know, bottle that and prescribe mm -hmm. that to give it to a patient. That, that's just not possible. So very much of our own health is within our hands and we do have some control, not full control, but we have some impact or control. Well, there, there's an old story and, and I don't think it's true, but it's still a good story about Alexander the Great. And, and supposedly as Alexander the Great's dying, he brings his counselors together and he said, you know, I want you to carry out my final three wishes. He said, my first wish is I want only my physicians to carry my coffin to the grave. My second wish is I want the road to the cemetery strewn with gold and silver and precious stones. And my third wish is that my hands be left out of my casket. And one of his counselors is like, well, you're Alexander the Great. You could have any wish you wanted. You know, why do you have these three wishes? And he said, well, number one, he said, I want my physicians to carry my coffin because I want people to realize that no doctor really cures anything. They just help the person's body to cure itself. And I, I think that's that goes spot on to what you and I were just talking about. Yes. And the, the second one about he said, you know, I spent my entire life 
you know, trying to be a person of influence and conquering people and accumulating wealth and all that stuff. I want people to realize that none of that is going with me beyond the grave. And then finally said, you know, with my hands outside of my casket, I want people to realize that I came into this world empty handed and I pretty much leave it the same way. And I think that's kind of a good story to illustrate, you know, really what's important in life. You know, yeah. we all want to be important and influential and, and rich and all that kind of stuff. No, none of that stuff matters. No. You know, you can't take that with you beyond the grave. You can take yeah. the love you have in your heart, but you can't take your money with you. Yeah, you can at all. I think what matters in life is the, the, the life you've led, you know, the people you've impacted and, and the legacy that you leave behind. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think uh, you know, it, it, all of us, we make it our purpose, our goal to leave a, a lasting legacy that will impact others far beyond material wealth. Then that's when you know that you've really, really made a difference. You're right. Man, man. Terry, I, I want I want to jump into your book quickly here. Um, there's there's 10 principles. I, we're not going to run through all, you know, all 10 of them, but certainly if there are or, or maybe a, a couple that maybe stand out for just give a to give our listeners a, a flavor of, of sort of, uh, of of what the book is all about. Yeah, you know, it, it's always fun for me as an author when people read it because, you know, the principle there's always one principle that that a, a, a reader gravitates to, yes, you know. Yes. And and the one for me is is this, and, and each principle is a chapter, and it's most people think with their fears and their insecurities mm. instead of using their minds. And I know I've done that. I, I've done it a bunch in my life. Yes, and, yes, yes. you know, I always used to, especially with young people, I always tell them, you know, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you feel you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did they're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and, you know, and do them. So, so that's one that, that I really like. Um, there, there's one, actually there's one about listening and, and that kind of comes from my negotiating uh, yeah. part and yeah. not, not listening to respond, which we're all guilty of, you know, yes. it's like, oddly hurry up and say what you're going to say. Cause I'm going to get my two cents in there, but, but listening to understand. And if yeah. we spent yeah. more time, listening to understand what that person's saying and why they're saying it, I, I think we, we'd certainly get along with each other much better. So, yeah. so that's one. And then there's another one that I like is you are the person that you're looking to become. You know, even if you're not that person, you're still mm -hmm. that person. Mm -hmm. You know, you just haven't gotten there yet. So, so those, are, those are three that, you know, that I like and, and that I think kind of resonate with people. And like I said, I've got stories underneath them that kind of illustrate what they mean and things like that. Uh, I, I, I gravitate, talk about, you know, chapter two gravitates to uh, love being the most important word in any language, I think is one that people automatically gravitate and go, yeah, and that's what they connect with that, that the, the power of love. And it's so impactful the way you can, uh, well, I mean, it shows up in all sorts of ways, the way you help people, what you give to people, uh, the words that you use to help them through their situation. So I, I thought that was a good one too. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I you know, I, I, I was a big fan of John Wooden, who I, you know, I told yes. you about before growing up. And, you know, I mean, he's, he was an excellent basketball coach, won, I can't tell you how many national championships, but is probably as famous for his pyramid of success yes, of the things, you know, the building blocks that he felt were necessary for his players to be successful, not just in basketball, in life. And I heard him give uh, an interview. And, you know, here's this great tactician, this great X and O yes, guy and yes, stuff yes. like that. And somebody asked him, you know, like, you know, what's the most important thing, you know, in sports or in anything? And, and he kind of looked at the camera and he's like, most important thing is love. I mean, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat like, all right, I'm going to get something really good here <laughs> for basketball. And it's just it. like, what? what? Love? Yeah, well, you right. know, but as, as an adult, yeah, it, it is the most important thing. It's the most important thing that we have. And it's the most important thing we can give. Give, yeah, I was. Uh, that was exactly what it is. When we can give love, uh, and we talked earlier about uh, how we can impact people, uh, and if we so we if we can give from a standpoint of love, man, what it does for them and what they can now do and 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 do do it for other people and give that same love. Like I yeah. said before, you know, you sort of look at you know, this world is all kinds of crazy things happening and 
this side and that side and different camps and beliefs and everyone's being challenged and you know that peace around love and compassion isn't where it needs to be because if it was we wouldn't have all these different divides like we have right now no and, and again i think that goes back to you know it's all about me no it's not all about you it's about us and yeah. us together you know with, with that love and compassion component we can do anything we, we set our minds to do man this has been awesome terry this is just been so wonderful. I, I so appreciated the chat. Um, you know, again, uh, uh, you know, we talk so much about just being audacious and bold and, 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 you know, sometimes people think, well, Hey, it's the, you know, the, the loudest person enters the room. They're the most audacious. And, and, and that's, I mean, perhaps it could be part of it, if you will, but that's not really at the core of what it is. It's how you choose to live your life. And if you're bold enough to step into that life, and as you talked earlier about step into your purpose and live your purpose, then you're on the right track. You, you really are. And, and, and if you don't mind, I'd like to end with a quick story, if, sure. if that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. when I was young, I, I was a big fan of Westerns growing up. You know, my parents used to let me stay up and watch Gunsmoke and Wild Wild West <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. The Rifleman, remember that one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the right. Oh, my dad loved that. Yeah. And 1993, the movie Tombstone came out. You probably mm. remember it. It starred Val Kilmer as a guy by the yes. name of John Doc Holliday. Yes, yes. And Kurt Russell as a man yes. by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp are two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters for the movie. And they called Doc Doc because he was a dentist by trade. Yes, that's right. But he was pretty, pretty much a gunslinger and a card shark. And Wyatt was a lawman. He'd been a lawman most of his life. And these two men from entirely divergent backgrounds formed this very close friendship. And at the end of the movie, Doc is dying at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado which is about three hours from my house. And the real Doc Holliday died at that sanitarium. He's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt at this point in his life is destitute. He has no money, he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to play cards with Doc and the two men pass the time that way. And they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, I was in love with my cousin when I was young, but she joined a convent over the affair, but she's all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life. And get on with yours. You know, oddly, you and I probably know people who are sitting back and it's like, you know, when this happens, I'll have, you know, a successful life or, you know, I'll have a normal life or I'll be influential, whatever it is. What I'm going to tell you is don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you get out there, find the reason you were put on the face of this earth and live that. Because I promise you, if you do, when it comes to the end of your life, you'll be much happier and you'll have a whole lot more peace in your life. And, and you know, why that's so significant, especially when we talk about, so first off, great story. Thank you for sharing that. And, and, and why, that make, why that's so significant when we get to the end of our days and that final day that we're all going to come to eventually to be able to look back and to be able to say, okay, you know, what have I done? What have I accomplished? Did I use what I was given? You know, when you're able to say, yes, I have, you know, there's a sense of relief that you have. You know, when I listen to your story and I listen to you talk about uh, your experiences, sure, you're faced with your own, your own mortality, but there's a sense of peace that you have with what you've done, right? That you're, there is. There, there, there's an old Native American Blackfoot proverb that I love, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what and I think that's what we all should aspire to. And uh, I think that's a, a fabulous way and a fabulous note to end on. Um, Terry, where, where, where can we send our listeners if they want to learn more about you or, or, or pick up your book, um, uh, Sustainable Excellence? Where, where can we send them? So the, the book can pretty much be bought anywhere online that okay. you can get a book. So Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Apple I, iBooks, wherever you get your book online. And then I, I have a blog called Motivational Check, and I put up a, a, a motivational quote yes. every day and the Monday morning motivational message on Mondays and things like that. And so if you go to motivationalcheck.com, you can get access to my social media sites. You can get the quotes. You can actually leave me a message there and stuff like that. So motivationalcheck.com. Amazing. That's awesome. Terry, listen, I really, really appreciate you for being here. Thank you for the manner in which you've lived your life 
through the ups and the downs. Thank you for that. And more importantly, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for allowing me to be on again. You know, like I said, hopefully our conversation is going to make a difference in somebody's life. And if it does, today's been a good day. Thanks so much, Terry. Be well. You too. Back we are here on the podcast, and I really want to send my thanks for Terry uh, for being here and, and sharing uh, his inspirational story. I truly appreciate you, Terry, for, for taking the time to be here and again sharing in the, in the manner in which you did. Uh, I think you're you're doing an incredible job of touching and impacting the lives of others, and uh, it's been far from easy for you. But but it's great to know that you continue uh, to push ahead, to persevere, and, and to not stop. You know, uh, Terry left us uh, with so much to think about, but if there's just uh, one thing that I take from my conversation with him, it would be this. Nothing in life is promised. We all know this. Uh, We never know how things will turn out, and and we don't really have an option of asking for the set of of cars to be re-dealt when playing the game of life. You know, we just have to play them out. But we're not just playing them for the sake of playing them. We're playing them to the best of our ability. You need to put your all into it and and not just go through it because you're going through the motions. Use your attitude to turn your situations around. That's the only option we have. Play the cards that you're dealt. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com. All you've got to do is enter in your email address and you will immediately be uh, alerted every time we've got new content that comes out. Uh, You know, we've reached the end of another episode and I want to take this opportunity uh, to thank our amazing listeners uh, for for checking us out, certainly supporting us, uh, being lovers of audaciousness. Um, These are all important things uh, and help the podcast. Another great way of helping the podcast, if you head over to your, your favorite podcast listening platform and give us a rating. Uh, leave a comment Uh, all these things are appreciated Uh, they're great support and and I thank you in advance for doing so until next time stay safe be kind show love to one another and be audacious you've been listening to the audacious living podcast hosted by Audley Stevenson If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.